0: Well, hey, I'm glad you're with us this morning. I'm glad you decided to spend your time on a Sunday right here with us. I'm glad that you decided to carve time later out of your week, maybe, to be right here with us. If you just stumbled upon us this morning on this live stream, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you just jumped right in to the middle of a three-week series we're calling Scars in the Soul. And what we're battling in the series, what we're walking through in the series, uh, are topics like anxiety, depression, and addiction. And so, uh, really and truly, if you just stumbled upon us, we're glad you're here, we hope you stick around, because today, uh, what we're talking about is relevant and pertinent, and whether or not to you, it is definitely that to somebody else. And uh, maybe you intentionally watched uh, online at The Orchard this morning, because uh, you heard we were doing the series, and you're struggling with some of this, and or maybe you know somebody that's struggling with some of this, and you just want to be able to have uh, an open, candid, honest conversation about it and see what the Bible says. So uh, if that's you, we're glad you're here today as well. Our goal throughout this series is that uh, we acknowledge these things. We say that the church is not afraid to talk about them, um, but we also acknowledge the fact that in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, we are not gonna cure all the anxiety of the world. We're not gonna cure all the depression that you deal with. We're not gonna be able to overcome all of the addiction that's out there. In fact, uh, this is, if anything, a way for you to know it's okay to struggle. It's okay to get help on the other side of the struggle, that Jesus cares for you, that God has a plan uh, to get you to the other side of that. And so we just want to introduce that stuff, that part of the equation today in this series, that is our heart, that you know you're not alone and that God's got a plan uh, to get you to the other side of this and that his word does not shy away from some of these topics that we've been talking about. And so today uh, we're going to dive in specifically, we're going to tackle as best we can in 20 to 30 minutes, the idea, the the topic of depression and, and what it looks like to be depressed, and what it looks like to battle depression, and then hopefully what it looks like to f- see uh, some liberation on the other side of depression. Depression is this, this sneaky thing in our culture, right? It's this, this thing that we don't want to talk about a lot of times as men, as women. Uh, we're scared to address, but we feel deeply, right? It's, it's this thing that, that we experience, but, but we struggle uh, with within the wrestling. We struggle with the outcome. We struggle with how it makes us feel and how it presents itself to us. And so uh, today we want to dive into that. We want to talk about that a little bit. We want you to know uh, you're not crazy and that this is okay to deal with and then just start to have some of the conversation on what it looks like to get to the other side. But uh, before we do that, I think an important piece of the equation uh, throughout this entire series, right? is defining some of these terms that we're talking about, right? When I say depression, what does that mean? Does that mean we had a bad day and we're sad? Uh, does it mean that we're kind of just even keel? Does it mean that, that we're really struggling with something and it's been there for a long time? Or, or what does it look like? And so today I wanted to kind of do that before we go anywhere else, I wanna define the term, right? And so uh, depression, also known as depressive disorder, is a common mental disorder that involves a depressed mood or loss of pleasure or interest in activities for long periods of time. Right, and so depression is different from regular mood changes and feelings about everyday life. In fact, I was talking to a counselor and she said one of her, her big indicators of depression is to say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how was your day, right? And if we keep saying three over and over and over again and, and we, we point to the why and there's really no why, okay, we probably have, a conversation there. And so d- depression is different from these regular mood changes that we feel, these different feelings that we have, and it can affect all aspects of life, right? Including in relationships with my family, with my friends, the community that I live in. Uh, it can result or lead to problems at school for you students watching with your parents this morning, or at work for you adults who, who deal with some of this, um, and you see it cause a riff in the workplace. And so this is kind of what depression does. It's that long, period of time, over and over and over again, I haven't been able to shake this depressive disorder. And I love that they call it a disorder because it is a it is a mental I- I- thing that we deal with, right? It's Sometimes it's these imbalances. Sometimes it's these outside circumstances. It's not always something that you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and control. It's just a reality that we have to deal with and navigate. And so uh, here's the thing that research has shown us, that depression is really not even all that uncommon. And so when I say this morning, you feel like maybe this isn't for you, I want you to lean in because it's probably for somebody else in your life that you know uh, that may or may not struggle with this. Whether you know about it or not, they might struggle with this. And so uh, here's the thing, research has shown us that an estimated 3.8% of the population experience depression. That's 5% of adults, 4% among men and 6% among women, and 5% of adults older than 60 years old. Approximately 280 million people in the world have depression. 280 million people in the world have depression, and a lot of that is right here at home in the U.S. In fact, over 1 in 10 youth in the U.S. are experiencing depression that is severely impairing their ability to function at school or work, at home, with family, or in their social life. 16.39% of youth, that's ages 12 to 17, report suffering from at least one major depressive episode just in the past year. 11.5% of youth, over 2.7 million youth, are experiencing severe major depression that's crazy. How do we deal with that? These are, these are kids, these are students that are dealing with this too that, that don't have all these life experiences that you have, right? And, and you deal with it, right? The numbers say right here in America, you, a lot of adults are dealing with this stuff and, and we do have the life experience that is compiling all this. In fact, here's what happens a lot of times by the time we get, our early, get to our early 30s, uh, the median age for onset of diagnosable depression is 32 and a half years old, right? And there's not always this single life cause of depression, according to research. In fact, sometimes, oftentimes, it's brain chemistry, it's hormones, it's genetics, it's life experiences, and it's physical health. All of these things play a role in depression. And so what I want you to hear me say right on the front end is, yes, absolutely, 100%, this is a thing you're not crazy. Yes, also, 100%, this is a thing, and a lot of times it's a thing that is just outside of your control. Right, there are things and factors at play here that you don't control that lead to us dealing with and experiencing this. And so, uh, I want you to also hear me say in this series, we are going to point you to counselors, we are going to point you to medication, we are going to point you to these things to say, hey, we want you to get help because if this is a chemical imbalance, if these are things in your brain that are not right, then we want you to get the help needed to kind of lift some of that fog so that we can clearly see where the underlying pieces to this equation lie, and we're going to get there uh, in a second. But It's not always just uh, I've dealt with depression for years. Sometimes depression starts with these what we call depressive episodes. In fact, the Diagnostic uh, and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders defines a major depressive episode as at least two weeks of a depressed mood or loss of symptoms, such as sleep issues on almost a daily basis, changes in appetite and weight, or a decrease or increase in appetite nearly every day, decreased energy or fatigue almost every day, difficulty concentrating, making decisions and thinking clearly, psychomotor agitation or retardation that's observable by others or recurrent thoughts of death or suicide a suicide attempt or a specific plan for suicide and so these are some of these factors that say hey here's what you may be experiencing if you're experiencing some of this you might be dealing with a depressive episode if some of these things keep creeping in over and over and over again and here's the trickiest part about depression Once you've identified it, once you've identified the symptoms that come with it, the reality is that no studies, this is from the Scientific American, no studies have established a cause and effect relation between any brain or psychological dysfunction and the disorder. And so the reality is that you, you, there's no uh, actual diagnosable, man, this is why, and this is, this is what we need to treat, and this is how we're gonna tackle it. And then when we do tackle it this way, the medication's gonna fix all of it. That's just not how this works, right? There's no one thing we can point to to say this equals this. In fact, here's why. In fact, I think this is the reason why. It's important to remember that psychiatric diagnosis are descriptions, just descriptions, of a struggling person's thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. They are not explanations for them. They tell you what, but not why." I love that because that comes from Di- Dr. Michael Emlett, who has, yes, his MD, but he also has his MDiv, right? his Masters of Divinity. And so here's a guy marrying these two worlds together. He said, the physical meets the spiritual. And so where the, where the, where the physical says, I don't have the answers, Dr. Michael says, I'm gonna tell you why. The answer is because this is not solely physical this is in fact in large part also spiritual there's psychological and physiological elements to this yes absolutely but as humans we are spiritual beings. This is a spiritual thing that we deal with. Sin has wreaked havoc. And so here we are as humans experiencing the consequences of sin. And part of that is that there are spiritual implications at play that have hindered us. And then there are spiritual solutions to these situations at play that will help us in the long run. And that's what I love about the text we're going to be in today. And so I know it's taken us a little bit while uh, to get to this point, but if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 42 and 43. And what I love about this passage we're going to look at is this you have a guy who we are going to look at today name is David he writes these two or at least these two psalms are written from his perspective and and the cool thing about David is he is referred to often as a man after God's own heart he is a man that God has used greatly he is a man that God has anointed as king he is a man that has been right at the feet of God over and over and over again and in these next two chapters what you're going to see is you're going to see that same man Deal with absolutely nothing other than depression and be in the lowest of lows that he's experienced in life and try to figure out what it looks like for him to navigate through these thoughts with pen to paper how to navigate depression. And so I want to set the stage for you here. This is David and this is his timeline as written after his son has tried to overthrow his own throne. He has been sent into exile. He has said, my son has tried to overthrow me. Absalom, I'm going to leave. I'm going to depart. I'm not going to engage in conflict. But what that's going to cost me is it's going to cost me influence. It's going to cost me throne. It's going to cost me family. It's going to cost me friends. It's going to cost me uh, these tangible things that I can feel like wealth and finances. And so at this point, David has left and it has cost him just about everything. And in this dialogue, you hear his heart. He says this at the beginning of chapter 42. And we're going to read all the way through 43, actually, uh, because I want you to know this about Psalm. A lot of Hebrew tradition actually puts these two Psalms together as one Psalm. They're not split up into verse, or chapter 42 and 43. This is just one ongoing dialogue from David. So we're just going to read right through, and I want you to hear David's heart as he battles with depression. He said, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God, When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of the God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why my soul are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God for I will still praise him, my savior and my God, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, and all your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries, they taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Chapter 43, vindicate me, God and champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust person, for you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow? Because of the enemy's oppression. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God my greatest joy." I will praise you with the lyre, God, my God. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. man. That is David, that is David's just honest, gut-wrenching conversation with himself, he says with his own soul, about why he's feeling the way he's feeling, the fact that he knows he shouldn't feel that way, the fact that he doesn't want to feel that way, the fact that he knows God is his hope, and yet he's the one questioning God. He says, I am depressed, my soul is dejected, I don't understand God, if you are for me, why is all of this stuff happening to me? He just gets gut level honest with God, about his depression and it's fascinating and it's humbling and it's relatable because I think for many of us in many situations in our life we have been there where we have said God if you are for me why is this my circumstance? God if you care about me why do I find myself in the same position over and over and over again? Why God is this the outcome? Why am I so depressed? God help me with my depression but if you notice that in the middle of his his pleading and his anguishing and his sorrow he really breaks these stanzas down into three parts right first he says here's the thing I have this expression or declaration of anguish in which I'm letting myself go God here's all the things that I'm feeling and I need you to just hear what I'm feeling God I just need you to to hear where my heart's at it's not in a good place And then what does he do right on the backside of saying, here's where my dejected spirit is at? He forces himself to think through remembering. He says, okay, but even when I feel that way, here's what I'm going to do, God. Even when I feel like you're far, even when I feel like you're not close at hand, even when I feel depressed, what I'm going to do is I'm going to force myself to remember your character. What I'm going to do is I'm going to force myself to remember who you are, who your word says you are. What I'm going to do is I'm going to force myself to remember every other moment where you have been faithful and so first you see his gut level honesty second you see God I am gonna force myself to be a remembering person of what you have done in the past and here's what's so important about that scientific studies psychological studies have shown us we are not intellectual creatures humans we are emotional creatures and so this is a hard thing to do because when your emotions tell you be sad be upset be broken it is okay but it's also a place where we have to sit, stand, and say, okay, this is true, this is how I'm feeling, but how do I combat that with truth? How do I combat what I'm feeling with what I know God's character to be? And that's what David says in the second part of his little stanza as he walks through this equation with himself, and then third, he does this. Third and finally, in the refrain, of course, he composes himself, pulls himself together, and then he does this, he preaches to his soul. And he says, my soul, this is what is good for it. What is good for my soul is to put my hope in God. I will still praise him because he is still my savior and he is still my God. In the middle of what I'm feeling, because I'm not feeling praise for God, I'm not feeling all these things. I'm not feeling like God is close at hand. But in the middle of what I'm feeling, David's saying, I'm gonna combat my feelings. I'm gonna combat what my emotions are telling me and I'm gonna feed them truth. And when it's hard, I'm gonna praise God. God. And when it's difficult, I'm going to remember his character. When it's difficult, I'm going to praise him. And when it's difficult, I'm going to remind myself just how faithful he has been over and over and over again. You see him get honest and you see him express grief and you see him express the turmoil. He says to to a point, my soul is dejected. That means depressed, right? the, the, The Hebrew word there's literally melt away or sink down. He is saying, I have nothing left in me. I am that beat up, but here's the deal. Even as that being my posture, what I will do is I will fight to remember who God is. And as I fight to remember who God is, I'm going to fight to remember that He is faithful and that His character has been consistent and that my, my emotions will lie to me at times. They will be deceitful and I have got to combat those feelings with what I know to be true about the character of God. Faith can be maintained in the, in the midst of this depression in this deliberate by this deliberate remembering. Right? He's saying, I can, I can keep my faith. I can, I can power through this depressed state. I can power through my circumstances by simply just trying to hold on to and lean into the character of God and saying, I'm going to combat lies with truth, remembering who he is and what he's done in the past. It's almost like he's questioning his depression, right? He's, he's like, man, this is how I feel, but here's what I know to be true. And it's almost like Spurgeon says it this way. He says, it's as if there were two men. The psalmist talks to himself. His faith reasons with his fears. His hope argues with his sorrows. That is incredible, that is incredible, and here's what I want to, give you, to do, give you permission to do this morning if you've been waiting on this, is, is permission to let somebody else in if you are struggling to argue with yourself, if your soul is struggling to argue with what you're feeling, if you are struggling to preach to your soul truth, let somebody else in who can speak truth into that. This is where we want to give you permission to find an outlet, find a friend, find a pastor, find a counselor who you can sit and you can dump this on. I would argue don't just find a counselor, find a Christian counselor who can combat lies with truth and can help you get to the root of a lot of this stuff. But the reality is there's not going to be this, this, little, this little pill or this magic bullet right, that we take that's going to cure us from depression or anxiety. It's just not going to happen. But, but here's what there is in the middle of this, in the middle of you preaching Jesus to yourself, in the middle of you reminding your soul what is true and what is not true, there is a road and there is a process that we can get on and we can take day by day by day. And it's a process that we are not separated from and that Jesus is not separated from, but that Jesus is in the middle of. It is a process that Jesus says, I draw near to the broken heart and so I will be right here with you as you navigate that stuff. And so I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to downplay your depression as we navigate it this series. I don't want you to downplay your depression as you've dealt with these depressive episodes. I don't want you to do that. I want you to understand them for what they are. I want you to understand that a man after God's own heart dealt with these same things. And I want you to begin to tackle them, but tackle them the right way. I want you to seek help. I want you to go get these things that we need. Medication to help lift the fog. right a counselor to say, hey, I want to get past these things. I want to help you get to the root of these things. And then uh, getting past those things and lifting the fog so that you can see Jesus clearly. And so you can see he wants to lean in with you. Right. And then I want to urge you, don't surrender to what you feel in the moment. Fight past what you remember or what you feel in the moment to what you remember about God's faithfulness to what you know to be true in Scripture, to what you know to be true about what you've experienced when you've seen him work in your life and in the lives of your loved ones. Lean into that as opposed to the things that you feel in the moments. Preach to yourself. When it feels like nobody else is around and nobody else is there to preach to you, preach to yourself. Do exactly what David does. Say, here's what I'm feeling, but here's what I know to be true. And then recognize your need for Jesus, not just for relief, but the psalmist desires to be with God, not just to feel better, but to be with him, right? God is not this uh, this means to an end. God is the end for David, right? He's not this process, this, this lamp that he wants to rub and say, okay, God, here's what I need today. He says, no, no, God, I want you. And depression is keeping me from trusting in your character. And depression is keeping me from seeing you properly. And so God, I want you. I want to lean in to you and if you feel like you're watching this this morning and you don't know Jesus and you don't know uh, what to look back on as stones in your life you say God's been faithful over and over and over again here's what I want you to hear from me this morning I'm glad you're listening this morning I'm glad you're with us and what I want to tell you is that maybe you have not experienced the faithfulness of God in your life yet but here's what God has done God has proven himself faithful by sending Jesus to the cross and saying you know what even when you don't feel loved Even when you feel like I was far from you, I am proving that I am near to you because I am sending my son to die in your place. I am sending my son so that you can, like 1 Peter 5 says, cast your anxieties on him. The word cast there is actually translated transfer so that you can give your stuff to him. So that you can say, Jesus, I want to invite you in to be part of the equation with me. If you have not experienced God's faithfulness in your life yet, I want to let you know, God has proven himself faithful on the cross when he says, man, when you were broken and dead in your trespasses and sins, I sent my son so you didn't have to be. So that Jesus could be the propitiation for this, so that he could stand in the gap for you. He doesn't just stand in the gap for us, but he picks up this mantle and he fights with us. That's the beauty of our faith. That's the beauty of the faith the Christian has is he understands that, yeah, God just doesn't save us once and then leave us to our own devices, but no, the Spirit lives in you. He is in the trenches with you. He's not just waiting for you to get past your depression. He's willing and wanting to talk you through it and to walk with you through it. Transfer those anxieties onto him. Transfer those depressive thoughts to him and then start to fight those emotions and those fears that you're clinging to with truth. It is crucial. Check this out from Dr. John Piper. He says, It is crucial that in our darkness we affirm the wise, strong hand of God to hold us, even when we have no strength to hold him. That is the beauty of our faith in the middle of our depression. It is not about you doing better. It is not about you picking yourself up by your bootstraps. It is about you trusting that God is upholding you even when you don't feel it. It is about understanding that he desires that transfer of your depression, your anxieties to himself, and he wants to walk with you in the battle. He wants to be in those trenches with you. So I want to encourage you, if you are a Christian, if you have followed Jesus for many years, if you have followed Jesus for a short time, lean back on what you know to be true about his character. Look back at how faithful he has been and trust that he is the same God now in the middle of our struggles that he has been over and over and over again and lean on him. And then if you don't know Jesus, this morning my invitation is this. Don't walk through this stuff alone. In fact, invite Jesus to be a part of that equation. Trust that he desires to pick that stuff up. Trust that he desires to walk with you. Trust that he is the solution so that one day you will never have to deal with this again when you get to see the Father because Jesus has died in your place. He has died for all the sin that has led to these struggles. And he desires relationship with you be encouraged by that this morning. It is okay to struggle. It is okay to get help. It is okay to lift some of that fog so that we can see these things properly, so we can see God's character properly, so we can see Jesus properly. That is my hope in the series for us. That is our goal as we preach these things is so that we can see Jesus walk through this stuff with us and see that ultimately He desires liberation from those things. Ultimately, he desires you to experience freedom from those things. And if David has struggled with it, let it be known that you will probably struggle with it and maybe even struggle with it again down the road when you get to the other side of it this time. But take heart. David's solution to this equation is believing in God's character and preaching to himself over and over and over again, despite what his emotions and circumstances tell him. That is the remedy. That is the goal. It is a spiritual issue as much as it is anything else. And as Christians, we have got to fight that. As people that are not followers of Jesus yet, I want to let you know the invitation is there to pursue Him. We would love for you to reach out, have that conversation, see what that looks like, go to lunch, grab coffee, whatever. We'll get you with a location pastor in your area to be able to do some of that. But that's what I want you to feel encouraged by this morning. I'm going to pray for us uh, and then take us up on that. There's a host in the chat right now. Ask them where you can get information if you can't find any anywhere else. But take us up on that. Don't leave this stream today. If you're watching this later in the week, don't leave uh, this stream without visiting our website and sending us a contact uh, description saying, hey, I just want to chat a little bit further about this. We would love to do that with you today. Let me pray for you. Father, these things are heavy. These things are sometimes moments and situations we can't put a finger on god these are things that we don't want to battle we don't want to struggle with but god sometimes these are things that feel overwhelming uh, and gripping to the point of paralysis and so god this morning i just want you to remind your people that you are there that your character has not changed that your promises are true that you desire to be in the middle of it with us and that god i pray that you would give them the healthy understanding to preach to themselves God, give them the extra dose of encouragement to press into what it looks like to pursue you. God, we love you, and we praise you for being the solution to the problems that we have not yet been able to beat. And God, I pray that in this series, in the days, and the weeks to come, you would help us have a right view of you. And God, you would help us use your character and your truth to push past some of these things. We love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.